Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. excited about what God is doing. I had I had someone this week say, how how can how can God be good with all the bad that's going on in the world? And I thought, man, I must be spiritually dyslexic. Because I think, how can God be good to me with all the bad that I deserved? How is it possible that when I deserved the bad stuff. He gave me blessing, and He gave me good, and He gave me health, and He gave me life. I look at it the other way around. Maybe I'm just a little strange than other people. I don't know if if you do that, but why is it that whenever whenever we have everything going right, we don't doubt the presence of God, but when everything goes wrong, or someone gets put in a casket, or something happens that we can't control, all of a sudden God doesn't exist. I look at it the other way, if you don't mind. I'm just going to keep on looking at it backwards, if it is backwards, but I don't think so. I think I'm looking at it right. Is that okay today? I believe he blesses us when we don't deserve blessing. I believe he gives us when we don't deserve a gift. I believe that God is everything I need him to be because he loves me that much. <laughs> he loves me that much. Amen. He loves you that much too. Genesis chapter 3, would you stand in honor of the reading of the word? I'm so thankful for all those that are here. If you're a visitor, welcome. Welcome. I welcome you. Amen, 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 all of you that are able to make it. Um, it's good to have service in a hotel. Those that are checking out go, oh, hey, I think I'll go to church today. <laughs> That's just a situation. Amen. Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to read through verse 6 down through verse 21. And when the woman saw everyone there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say wait on me. All right. We like to wait. It's in Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. You'll find it. I just want to make sure that everybody's reading along. And if um, if you don't have it, I think they're going to put it up here. Praise God. And verse 6, we begin. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And they, and the eyes of them both were opened. Everyone say opened. And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. How many know it's not good to try to cover up something? Hello, somebody. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves. Everyone say hid. Where did they think they were going to hide from an omniscient God? <laughs> Where were they going to go? From the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I have heard, I heard the voice, your voice walking. Where am I? I heard the voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Who told you? That you were less than perfect. Who told you that you weren't everything that you needed to be? Who gave you that idea? Or did you eat from that tree? And he said, Thou hast eaten from the tree whereof I commanded thee not that thou should eat of. And the man said, 
the woman who thou gavest. Here we go. The official blame game begins. The woman who uh, the woman who thou gavest me. I lost my place. I'm sorry. And the woman, I'm reading from a different Bible. I apologize. I won't do this again. I'll bring a different Bible. And the man said, the woman who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? Notice God moves on, even though he passes the buck and he comes back to him later when he's handing out the sentence of what needs to take place after they had fallen. The Lord God said unto the woman, what hast thou done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. I don't know about you, but if there's like six verses where Eve is arguing with the serpent and when she hands the apple or whatever it was to her husband, he doesn't even argue for one verse. He just takes it and, he, and eats it. So I don't. I was like, come on, man, at least argue a little bit with her. Be contentious or something. Give me two verses where you stood up. You know, maybe God doesn't like this or God doesn't want us to eat that, but he doesn't. He just eats. And so then she ate of it, he ate of it, and the Lord God said unto them, verse 14, unto the serpent, because thou didst, thou, uh, thou hast done this, thou art cursed above the cattle and above every beast of the field and Upon the belly thou shalt go, and thou shalt eat. Um, eat, thou shalt, and the dust shalt thou eat. I'm sorry, all the days of thy life. I'm going to stop reading because this is very small writing, and I cannot see it very well. So I apologize for that. You guys can read the rest of that, but I get, it gets down to where God hands out four curses. He curses man to work of the sweat of his brow to eat. He curses the woman in sorrow shall you conceive, and your desire shall be your husband. He curses the serpent, which apparently stood up or was pleasant at some point. Somehow that serpent approached Eve, and she was not afraid, but he cursed the serpent too, which was a representative of Lucifer, Satan, to the ground. And then he curses the ground, the fourth curse, and it's going to bring forth thorns, thistles. And now we know that God steps in at the end of verse 21 and says unto Adam also unto his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them because God will never leave you uncovered. He will always cover you if you come to him. So I want to talk to you for a little while about crossroads because I feel like there's someone in this room that may be standing at an intersection where they don't exactly know which way to turn right now. And maybe they're overcome with some emotions, some decisions, and you're asking God, what way do I go? And I want to answer some of those questions for you hopefully today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Help me, Lord, and bless me in Jesus' name. I need thee, O oh Lord. There was a baby that was much expected of a couple, and the couple were one of the most fantastic trapeze artists in the world. They were world-renowned. They had many, many great successes. They traveled with their own big-top circus that they supported with the trapeze artists and other things that they did. And they would travel from town to town and set up, and they would do their show, which was just amazing. People would watch in awe as they seemingly defied gravity. And these people who had strong, amazingly strong physical bodies and, and the ability to do things that other men just could not do, they had a child. And this child was much expected, and everyone thought, what 
an amazing acrobat this child is going to be. What an amazing trapeze artist this child will be. Raised from, a, from birth in the circus arena. Raised from birth to swing from a high wire. Raised from birth not to be under gravity, but to be over gravity. Amen? To do things that normal humans can't do. To inspire others at the big top. That whenever they leave there, they go home and say, you know, I think I can take up those piano lessons again. I think maybe I'll get back on that motorcycle and I'll learn how to ride again. Or I think maybe I'll learn how to teach my kid how to hit a bat and ball again. Maybe pick them up a little bit and teach them that there is something higher than just living earth on earth day to day. But as they were traveling from one city to another, somehow their bundle of joy wrapped in a blanket that was special to them had bounced off the back of their wagon-covered trailer and it landed on the side of the road and they had continued on without knowing through the night that the baby had fallen off the wagon. So while they woke up the next morning and mother reached over to find where the baby was, she realized that the baby was gone. They didn't know what happened. They didn't know where the baby went, but the baby had literally fallen off the night somewhere on the road and they did not know where. But during that night had come along another couple, which were mother and father and had never been able to have a children. And they came along and they heard a cry in the bushes and they stopped. And they picked up this baby and they found it wrapped, as it were, in swaddling clothes, kind of in this blanket that was very special. And they took the baby in for the baby was cold and they began to raise the baby. Didn't know where the baby came from, had no way of finding out whose child it was, but they took the baby in and then they began to raise it. And he was a farmer and she lived and took care of the farmhouse. And, and so he began to train the child how it was to farm and to work the dirt and live a common life and, and to live a, a day in, day out working man's job in life. And so this trapeze artist on the inside was wanting so much more and his eyes would lift every once in a while when he was plowing the fields. He'd see a tree and he thought, I could climb all the way to the top of that baby. I could do things that maybe he, others wouldn't think about. And so somewhere inside there was that heartbeat of who he really was down on the inside. And so it came about 16 years later that as he had been growing and, and working and he's out in the field and he sees, he sees something that catches his attention and, and he stumbles and he trips into a hole and he sprains his ankle. And it, it's a bad enough sprain to where it begins to cause a limp in his life. Has everybody, anybody ever been damaged before by something in life? You weren't supposed to be there. Maybe it wasn't even your place to be. He wasn't supposed to be tilling the ground. He was supposed to be swinging from a high wire. Amen. He was designed and he was built and his physique was made specifically for that particular thing if he was ever given the opportunity. But because of the injury, he continued to walk with a limp. And then one day came. He was down at the grocery store getting some things for his parents, just some general items, and he saw a poster on the wall. And that beating inside his heart, that inner trapeze that's always been there, that, that inner performer started getting excited. He felt a joy inside of him welling up. And he said, I want to go see this great circus coming to town. So he talked to his parents, they bought tickets, they went and they sat at the edge of the, of the ring and they watched as those trapeze artists swung. And he, inside of him, he got so excited because he just, he just couldn't believe people could do that. And he wanted to do that. He wanted to be there and do those things. And so as he was at this, this particular circus, 
He was watching them as they did things. And, and as it happened, someone said that there was this boy in the, in the crowd that really wanted to meet the trapeze artists, would really like to meet them. And so they came down and they were going to greet him. It was almost like a front st- or backstage pass. And they greeted the boy. And when the mother and father trapeze artist looked the boy in the face, it's almost as if they knew instantly. They said, wow, doesn't he look a lot like us? Isn't that amazing? He's, got, he's even got my eyes. He's got your chin, honey. It's, isn't that amazing? And so then they began to talk with the couple, and the couple said, well, we're farmers, and, and just so you know, we, we, we've been, my son has been excited about this, and, and he wanted to come and see you guys, and, and he's been farming with us, but, but we, didn't, we, didn't actually, we didn't actually have this child. He was born by someone else, and we found him on the side of the road. And they began to weep because somebody had found what they had lost. And so they began to ask questions. And they said, was he wrapped in a red blanket? And they said, and the mother and father then began to weep, the farmers, because they said, yeah, yeah, he was. And as everything began to dawn on both of the parents, he knew that the parents that were the farmers knew that they would never be the same thing that they were to that boy. And the trapeze artist parents who were, re- were seeing their son for the first time in eight years knew that they would never be the same again to that boy. And so they took him in and they did this interchange and they worked it out and he began to travel. But he couldn't do what everyone thought he could do because he had damages from doing something he was never supposed to do. And so when we look at the beginning of Genesis, we see that there are couples, there's a couple there, Adam and Eve, born of God. God breathed into them the breath of life, and somewhere along the way, they fell off the wagon. (laughs) Somewhere along the way, God lost us. And throughout time, we have taken on the damages of sin, and we may limp through life thinking that we can never truly be what we were born and should have been bred to be. But now, we've taken on too many things, too many habits, too many things that are like this earth and this dirt, working as it were the common in a common life. But God says, anything that I have cleansed, don't you ever call common. So God steps in, even though we may have fallen off and even though we have been, may have been separated from God for quite a long time and we may limp our way back to him with struggles and addictions and things that most people would say they'll never be able to be all all that God intended them to be. Guess what? God can cover you. God can make you new. The Bible offers such an opportunity, and I feel the Holy Ghost already, for us to be born all over again and start at life fresh and new. And somebody said amen. Amen. And so in the process of talking With a serpent, she's beguiled and she falls and man takes the bite with her. And from that point on, we suffer in a world cursed under gravity, it seems, when we were supposed to live above all of the things that we see them struggle with. And so it's important that we understand that there are dangers There's dangers 
in this kind of situation. If we go back to the beginning where we have and we study what takes place here in this passage of Scripture, we see that the enemy approaches Eve to her face. He comes to her to speak with her. And when the curse takes place, God curses that serpent, representative of Satan, to the ground, saying that he will never be able to approach you at the same level again. Lucifer can't come to you on the same level that you are because you are washed, you are redeemed, you are, you are made new. He can never have that. So what God said is, you are cursed, Lucifer, and to the ground, even though it's representative of a snake, you shall eat of the dust of the ground. So therefore, that he was brought down. The only way that Satan, our enemy of our life and our spirituality, can ever get to where he can speak to us on the same level is if he pulls us down before he does it. So it's very clear to me that the enemy of our soul is trying to tear down our faith. He's trying to tear down our understanding of God. He's trying to tear down the authority of the Word of God. Because if he can bring us down, he can speak to us face to face and tell us the lies that he is able to father. And someone said, amen. But the Bible said that there was going to be a seed born of a woman that would bruise his head. But that same, that same serpent would bruise the heel of that seed. And so throughout the earth and throughout time, as you read through the Old Testament, there's time after time where patriarchs would go after the firstborn male all the way up to two years old. It was a work of the enemy because anybody could have been the seed that bruised Satan's head. Anyone could have been it. He didn't know who it was, but he knew there was a curse in place. So what we find is that the enemy of our soul has to be trampled under our feet. Amen? Whenever there's something that drags you down, you need to rise up above it, push that emotion aside, and say, I step on you, spirit of poverty. I step on you, spirit of laziness. I step on you, spirit of inconsistency. Whatever tries to drag you down, you have to realize you need to put it under your feet. And I don't know about you, but I feel so much better when I have danced on the devil's head a little bit. Amen. I feel so much better after struggling and feeling life drag on you and you drag stuff into church. But when the music starts and when brother and sister begin to worship, there is a Holy Ghost fellowship that takes place in this house. And you begin to lift your hands and worship God. And you know that somebody is putting Satan under their feet. Amen. Somebody is going to get the victory. So with much of our understanding, we realize that there's great revelation that can come from this passage of Scripture. But while we're looking at this passage of Scripture, I have to tell you that it's not easy to go through a process of revelation. God speaks to us in revelation. I try my hardest not to bring you fluff to this pulpit. I have a strong aversion to fluff. I do not like it. I mean, I've heard some sermons that are so raw 
<laughs> they're presenting the lamb, but it's so raw, nobody can really take it, take it in. I, I, I need in my life, whenever I know that what God has given me has not been anointed enough to see revelation come out of it, come out of the word of God, I will literally stay on my face praying until the wee hours in the morning so that I have something to give you when I get here. And that is my commitment to you because I know that the Bible says that we're cursed. From the sweat of our brow, we will work. And so I know that I have to work sometimes to see the revelation that God places in my life. I have to dig out of the Word the revelations that are there for my life, for good living and living right with God. But I can tell you this, revelation coming from the Word and coming from your spirit that God deposits there has to be done through a process and the process often is derailed by a couple of things and I only have time to deal with two number one is our lack of fellowship with one another to share the perspectives of God as we individually experience God on our own levels and then bring that experience and share it with one another and lift each other through the varying perspectives of how we see God. Don't get me wrong, there is a structure. I can tell you God's omniscient. I can tell you He's omnipresent. I can give you the framework of God, but only you have some of the concepts you have about God because only you went through the stuff you went through and had to believe Him through it. So the fellowship that gathers us together as we sit in this room is not just a bunch of hearts beating, wanting to know more about God and striving to be what a good Christian should be, but it's gathering together to speak of our varying levels of experience, our ingenuity and our thinking and our cognizance of God in the sense that He worked for us while we struggled last week to get to our job on time. He worked for us while we were battling our anger because you see, Revelation is not something I just preach on Sunday morning. It's something that happens Monday. It happens Tuesday. It happens Wednesday. It happens Thursday. It happens when things go good. It happens when things go bad. Your life is a walking revelation of what God is doing for you. And you rob everyone in this room if you try to imitate someone else in this room. Because God wants you to bring what you've experienced of Him, your concept of God. Anchored by the Word, don't get me wrong, truth has to prevail. If your concept is not matching the truth, the logos of God, this Word, then you need to cast it out and say, well, I was just thinking weird. (laughs) But while we're here, we need a rhema to jump out of this Word. We need a revelation to jump out of this Word. Because while we fellowship, our faith is built, Rob. How can we not have our faith built when we stand together and worship Him the way we do and we hear the Word the way we do, God's Word? Because the Bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Well, preacher, I thought that meant if we read the Bible that we got faith. In a sense, that is correct. I've heard a lot of people say that. But if you go back and you study the Word of God, it says that faith cometh by hearing the ear, and hearing by the word of God. The word of God there is rhema, uttered word. So when we gather together to fellowship, 
We're also gathering together to build our faith because someone gets up and preaches the word of God, audibly preaches the word of God. So I'm not giving you a guilt trip, don't get me wrong, but you need to be at the house of God, brothers and sisters. You need to be in God's presence because here is where the word is audibly preached. And Rhema goes forward, a now word that fits the Logos, the true word of God. And you say, yes, my soul says yes to that. I agree with that. It agrees with my spirit, which agrees with his spirit that is in me. And the beauty of that fellowship, because our relationship with God is spiritual. It cannot be understood with the carnal mind. However, God allows us to take intellect and take our cognizance and understand him. We have to realize that God speaks to our spirit. He speaks to our spirit. So while we are busy trying to do life, he is fitting us in our spirit for the next thing coming that our mind doesn't even know about yet. And our heart hasn't even come near able to deal with the emotions of yet. So what happens is when God puts something in you, you get a holy unrest in your spirit. Anybody ever been there? You don't know what's wrong. You just you get up and you pace around and you're like, I got to do something. You try to do different things. You go out and you maybe you play some golf or you you figure you, you just figure you're restless or or maybe my nerves are a little frazzled. It's not that. There's something that's been put in your spirit by God Almighty that you haven't recognized with your mind yet because it's below. It's above your cognizant level, and all you need to do is hit your knees and pray that particular download into your mind and your spirit because what he's given you is for your next battle. You're not there yet, but he's prepped you for it. What about that is awesome. I, I, I don't know if, if you know, but everything God gives us, it's already crossed his desk. Hello, somebody. Oh, I, you know, and I can't give you a full perspective of God in this room. I, I just can't because no man. The Bible says that the scripture was not for any private interpretation. Amen. So we understand that to mean that it's, it says the prophecy was not for any private interpretation. And, and what it's speaking of is when the Holy Ghost wrote through men the scriptures, they weren't just writing as they felt like it. They were writing as God breathed on them. And God led them. And we understand that to mean that. But whenever we understand that also, that there is no private interpretation of Scripture, there's also the sense that none, none of us can contain a knowledge, a full knowledge of God. It's impossible. How can you contain God? So no one can stand up and be the standard and say, I know all about God and I'm going to teach you all about God. Because that would... That would limit God, would it not? Wouldn't that put him in the structure or the sense of he is limited to my mental capabilities? So anytime someone stands up and says, I have all the answers, I would run if I were you. I would get away from that person because I get a little bit itchy and twitch a little bit when I get around people that think they have all the answers because you don't, amen? That's why nobody has the full perspective of God, but together we come together and we share revelation and experience. And that is also why God will not let us make any graven image of him. 
Because in order to make a graven image, we have to use our sensual nature or our senses. Sensual does not just mean sexual. It means our five senses. Taste, touch, hear, see, and, and you know, whatever else. <laughs> but, but if you do that, what you do is you create a, you create a, um, a, a talisman or something that others will then look at as your representation of God and it leaves them out of the process where they find what God is to them in their life when they truly have a walk and they work out their own salvation with fear and trembling what you've done is you've created a limitation on God by creating an image of him and God said do not do it because I am not a God who is limited to your sensual understanding I am above your hearing. I am above your knowledge. I am above your taste, touch, see, and hear. And I want you to know that that is very precious to me because there are times when I read the word of God and it said, his peace passes all understanding. And I go, you know, I don't feel peace, but his word says I'm supposed to have peace. What is wrong with this picture? And I realize that his peace passes all understanding. So while he's put peace Oh, I wish I could preach while he's put peace in my spirit by the power of the Holy Ghost. My mind has not prayed it into fruition in my life. So my unrest is simply because I haven't got the understanding of his peace from the presence of God in my heart. You need the Holy Ghost, brothers and sisters. That is the direct link God speaks to your spirit. Hallelujah. So no one can be the standard. And I'm trying to move quickly. Uh, it's funny how God works with me. Some days I have it on an iPad. Some days I have it tucked in posty notes. In my, some days I have these. It's just a mess up here. But God's helping me. <laughs> it is amazing how God works. Amen. If God can use me, he can use you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Sometimes we struggle with the sense that God himself being outside of our senses doesn't speak to us because we cannot hear him and see him and taste him. But the, the Bible says, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Amen. So although he is above our sensual nature and he is above our ability to touch, taste, hear, and see, he says there is an opportunity if you want it bad enough to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, but you're going to have to pray that download out of you. You cannot just expect to live life however you want and hear from God. Now, I know not too many of us have heard audibles of, from God. It's not like God has come down and said, you need to wear the gray jacket. You, you need to do this. You need to do that. God has never done that to me except for maybe once, but I thought it was a thought in my mind. We had, we had racked up some debt from going through college, and I had a couple credit cards, and, and I was overwhelmed with the idea that, oh, how am I ever going to pay for this debt? And we were feeling the crunch of the, the payments. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there before. You don't have to raise your hand and admit it. I will just open myself up, and, and you can see how I am, and hopefully it ministers to you. And we were, we were literally like $50,000 in debt after getting through college. And so we had like all of these, we had like four or five, I think four cards, 
cards, and they were maxed out, and we didn't, I didn't know what to do. And I literally sat down at my desk, and how many know, how many know that whenever you ask God to move, he'll move? Hallelujah. So I sat down and I said, God, you've got to do something. And God had opened a door for us to go and do ministry in Virginia. Did you know that we bought our house for 128000 and we sold it for 236000 less than four years later? We sold it for so much that we wiped out all of our debt and paid off every single thing. And we paid for our ability to move to Virginia to minister there for two years while we were learning how they build a structure, build a building. God paid for everything when I I sat down and said, God, would you somehow help me with this? And I want you to know that it's not just a one-time deal because last week I was going through the week and I'm looking at some bills and I'm looking at some stuff and I'm saying, okay, God, I trust you. I need you to move. And yesterday I got a check in the mail from a settlement that happened while we lived in Virginia for almost $200. Never saw it coming, but I asked God for some help right about now and he showed up he knew oh hallelujah he knew i was gonna need two hundred dollars this week and he started working on that thing four years ago and when i said god would you help and i checked the mail there was my help he knew four years ago what i was gonna need this week and he put it in my spirit and waited for me when i when I got to the need, I prayed it out of my spirit because it had already been put there because he's able. He's so able. He is so, aren't we, could you just lift your hands and thank him for his omniscience and for knowing what we need and building into us what we need far in advance. Four years ago, he started working on my blessing this week and he did it because he's an awesome God, and he knew I'd be standing at a crossroads, a desire to possess my destiny. How about you? And so in the process, revelation rarely comes to a lazy heart. Amen? You have to struggle with this. You're going to have to battle and grapple with it. You need a, a heart that goes after God. Tell someone you got to have a want to. Turn to somebody and tell them you got to have a want to. But because... Some things are more work. It takes more energy than one might have thought. It costs you more than you might have wanted to give. Sometimes we get stuck in an intersection of life. We stall out. And some people build huts and houses setting on an intersection that they just are uncomfortable with the decision to move forward. And they don't want to take the wrong road, but they know it's going to cost them too much to take the right road. So they build a house at the intersection, sitting their entire life at a crossroads and never moving forward because they realize, I don't think I have it in me to do what it takes that he's calling me to. I don't know if I can go down that road because it looks a little rough, but he's not calling you ahead down that road because you could handle it. He's calling you down that road because he wants to teach you how to handle it with him. He wants to give you the strength to handle it. So when we look at the scriptures, we see that they did some things that damaged us and they were stuck hiding. It's always dangerous to hide things from God, brothers and sisters. And I have to ask you the $60 million question today. What have you been hiding? Because from the day we fell, we have a human tendency 
to hide things. And it's not that you're bad. It's not that you haven't messed up any worse than anybody else. But it's that we're afraid of what may take place. They feared what God would do, so they hid. And God said, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. So we have to understand that he makes a way, even when we feel like we need to hide, we have to come to him and stand at that intersection and say, God, here I am. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, but you chose me, and you never give up on your chosen. Amen? He never gives up on us. So whenever God sees that, standing at an intersection, do they die or do I, do I surrender mercy or grace to them? And God said, who told you? Who told you you were naked? Because when something hurts something that God loves, he wants to know who's hurting them because he wants to remove it. If you are in a relationship with someone that's hurting you, you're living below the God-given potential that he wants you to live at all the way back in Genesis. If there's someone damaging you in your life, then you need to understand that that person does not have the right because God does not give anyone the right to use or abuse anyone. Someone say amen. Because the first thing God wants to know is how are you fallen? How are you hiding things from me when I know everything? How is it possible that you think that you need to run from me whenever I have provided everything for you? And so God makes them coats and makes them provision. And within that, I realize that God affirms them. Now the second issue, and I'm trying to hasten to a close, that God made us in his image and in his likeness. So if God made you in his image, Ben, we should act like him. We should be taking dominion in our life. God gave Adam dominion over earth that he created for him. And when God does create, he plans that creation so that it gives revelation. And he put Adam into the garden and said, whatever you name it. If you want to name it a penguin, I'm not going to name it a hippopotamus. <laughs> whatever you want to name it, you have the authority and the dominion in the space that I give you. And so sometimes we sit and we are crying on our gifts because nobody's made any room for us. And guess what? God has already said, would you please stop crying because you don't need to make room. I'll open the door for you if you would just pray it into being. And oh, by the way, your gift maketh room for itself. I just want you to know, stop sitting on your pity party with your balloons and all your stuff gathered around and nobody's there to, to enjoy your pity party. What he's saying is what you need to do is start acting like me because I made you in my image. Do You don't have to pray to me every single time you get knocked down. You need to stand back up and take dominion in the place that I have put you. I gave you your life and your space. So go ahead and take dominion over the things that are now pushing down on you. I don't know how 
how that hits you, but I want you to know it means this. I have the right to choose as big of God as I want to choose. And if you choose a small God, don't get upset at me because he brings me out, but he can't bring you out because you chose how big your God was. And you chose how you would have dominion in the space that he gave you. And that's rough, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> As I hasten to a close, I want you to know that that gives us self-esteem. If you have any self-esteem issues in this place, that crushes them right there because you have to understand that God gave us responsibility. And self-esteem comes from taking hold of your responsibility. When they throw a boy who's a mess into boot camp, the first thing they do is give him discipline. And you've got a bunk. You've got responsibility. You make that quarter bounce off of that sheet. <laughs> he immediately is given a time to get up, a time to eat. And if you're not done eating when it's time to go run, you're going to have to eat it later. Whatever you've got to do, you've got to keep on a disciplined schedule. You're responsible immediately. And so this mess of a boy who doesn't think he can do anything with life gets thrown into boot camp by mom and dad that just doesn't know what to do with him. And guess what happens? He comes home clank, clank, looking like a tank. Because he has built his body and he has built his mind and now he stands with his head up where he'd only looked at the floor before and he says, I have a purpose. I am a Marine. I am a U.S. Army soldier. He's got responsibility. And now his self-esteem is completely changed. So when you have self-esteem issues, you need to know God took care of it in Genesis, because he gave Adam responsibility immediately. And he values us that much that he cares about how you feel, even though he's above our feelings. I love God that much because I know his mercy and grace is upon us. When he says, boldly come to the throne of grace in your time of need, I'm grateful he said that because I need him a lot. How about you? Have you ever knew? Let's stand together. Let's stand together. I, I have so much more, and funny how I never get to it. But God is good. Maybe all this was for me. Maybe all this was for me. <laughs> it is, it is, it's interesting as I close that the wisest man on earth, Solomon, who wrote the Proverbs, he said in Proverbs 4 and 7, in all thy getting, get understanding. He said, when, you, when you're going to do something, he said, you don't just need wisdom of what to do. You need understanding of how to do it. And so it would seem that that's Old Testament and it wouldn't apply to the New Testament church. We're, we're living under the dispensation of grace. But if you look back and you recognize that Throughout our entire life, we're praying what God has embedded in our spirit into our understanding so that we can then take steps to walk the path He's designed for us. He starts in the heart. He starts with our spirit. And so 
the story of the boy that I told you, he began to travel with the trapeze artists. And they, his mom noticed that he had a limp, and he said, well, I, I stumbled once, fell into a hole, like we all do, amen. And she said, well, why don't you come by my tent? And see, they didn't have modern medicine, but they had ways of flexing and stretching and bending. And, and so every day he'd come and, and mom would begin to work that ankle and move those tendons back and get them back healthy again. And oh, it hurt. It, it hurts. When you've fallen and you've got to get up, it, it hurts. We put up all kinds of ego defenses and we don't want people to know. But if we will go to the house of God on a regular basis, God will begin to work and to maneuver and to begin to shift us again back into line. And where we used to limp and fall on a regular basis, we begin to find ourselves stronger. And the temptations that used to catch us, they don't catch us anymore. And we have more strength than we used to have. And now God is using us in ways that he could never use us before because he can trust us with more anointing because we don't stumble where we used to stumble. Amen? And so mom began to work those tendons and work that ankle. And he began to be strong. And he began to practice on the high wire. And about five years later, trapeze artist came back into town and there was mom and pa farmer sitting to watch the boy they raised he was as much their boy as he was anybody's boy and as they watched him he stepped to the edge of the platform but he wasn't like every other trapeze artist because he had been so refined because it was always in him now it came out but the difference was he was blindfolded and he could not only swing as a trapeze but he could hear when the swing came near he could sense by the wind moving when he needed to move so he had brought it from the inside out to essential ability and when he did that he stood on the platform and he felt the movement and he waited and he jumped with the blindfold on and grabbed onto the trapeze and swung across and flipped up into the air and let go and did a double backflip as the trapeze swung out and swung back and caught and the crowd went wild as a blindfolded trapeze did something that no one could ever do before. He went to a whole nother level because he brought what was in him out. So today, I'm asking you, when you're standing at a crossroads, is it all right if I tell you you have a whole nother level waiting on you? If you just pray what's in your spirit out of you. And the Bible said that the spirit is the rest wherein he will cause us to rest. And while we're on this road of life, taking different intersections, some precarious, some not so, but while we're doing that, we need to stop at every rest stop that he provides to us and recharge ourselves. So today, I'm asking, are you stuck somewhere? Have you stopped moving with God? It Maybe it's because you thought you needed to get there too quickly. Maybe you 
did something that caused you to stumble and now you don't think you can take the road he's designed for you but I'm telling you there's a rest right in your intersection today would you bow your heads with me Jesus so many of us have stumbled but when we came to the cross what we were before we stumbled no longer has any bearing on what we are going to be when we walk down the road you've designed for us so at the crossroads today there's someone in here who's battling with heavy emotions. As they're struggling with the grappling of, do I take this new job that lets me travel less? Or do I, do I take this other opportunity? Or do I do what I feel in my heart? And maybe it's the Spirit of God speaking to them, saying, you're going to be strong enough if you do it with my Spirit. And so I'm asking Who's stuck today? I'm asking who has been hiding something you were never meant to hide. Because if you'll bring it to him today, he will give you direction in your mind. He'll put what's in your spirit into a place where you can sense him and know which way to go. And he will cover everything that you've been hiding. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen.